In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Eternal Father, you called St. Philip the Evangelist to open his mouth and begin with Scripture, tell the good news of Jesus Christ. By virtue of our baptism, we too are called to work for the salvation of souls. Instill in our hearts the zeal of St. Philip, that we may convert hearts and minds to your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Welcome to the St. Philip Institute podcast for this special coronavirus edition. And we're very glad to have all of you with us. We know that these are unfamiliar times, and we hope that today's episode can help bring some peace, uh, some clarity, some some how-to uh, as we begin and continue to deal with uh, this pandemic. We are going to be walking through some of the most frequently asked questions. We're going to be talking a little bit about some of the theological uh, discussions that are going on. Uh, None of us are scientists, uh, so we're probably not going to weigh too much into the scientific debate today. Uh, But it's a real good opportunity for us to share with you uh, some of the things we're working on as as a a team and how our families are doing. Uh, Today I'm joined by Mickey Seba and Luke Arredondo, and we're going to just dive into this uh, this big discussion uh, in a few moments. But first, just kind of want to ask, how are you guys doing? That's a big question. <laughs> I think, well, I'll start. For yeah. me, it's been um, just any sense of normalcy that was part of our life, I feel, has been turned upside down. And um, it's been a challenging transition in learning how to work from home, homeschool my kids at home, mm. support my husband in his work. And following all of these, um, I guess, directives that are coming from the church and from the government and making sure everyone's staying safe. So it's been a transition, mm-hmm. but I'm here and I'm healthy and I guess I can't complain. All right. Thank yeah. God. Thank yeah. God. What about you, man? I feel actually strangely ca- calm and uh, like lucky, you know, uh, I, in a lot of ways. So I've been used to working from home. Uh, I was a PhD student who had kids, so I did, you know, 85% of my work on my dissertation with kids running around in the background. Um, uh, but it is it is still, uh, things have changed. I had just gotten used to what this position, what this job was sure. like, the day-to-day, and of course that's now very different. Um, but but more, more than that, I mean, I, know I have family members and, and know so many people who are you know, in industries that are dependent on tourism, uh, entertainment, uh, mm-hmm. and they're just they have nothing to do they're out of work and who knows when they'll be able to go back and so in that that respect i just i feel very blessed that i i have not had any of those real major kind of things that Mm -hmm. i have to worry about so i think any of the disruptions that i've experienced are just so minor that i I really feel like like i'm getting a lucky in all of this uh yeah yeah there is a a great amount of i think gratitude we need to have in our hearts um a friend of mine who uh has lived through tornadoes, hurricanes, and earthquakes. Is like, you know, Father, we still have power. Um, <laughs> yeah. Our grocery stores are still open. There's not trees laying in the road. There's, you know, there's a lot right. of natural things that uh, are 
really destructive and, and, and the immediacy of those uh, effects are felt even more keenly. This one is, uh, as many of you have probably seen, the, uh, a meme going around, your grandparents were asked to go to war, you're being asked to stay at home and watch Netflix. <laughs> and yeah. I think we do kind of yeah. have to keep that in mind, like not, not to say that this isn't a serious time, but just to keep in mind that, you know, what's being asked of us overwhelmingly is, is to remain in place or to, to the best of our ability right. um, and to make the best of that time. And, and thanks be to God, we'll talk about this some more, but we are really seeing people doing some great things uh, at a local level, at a national level. But, you know, the generosity of people reaching out to help others has been, I think, a great silver lining in the midst of this uh, great time of tragedy. But we wanted, like I said, to get into some of these tough, uh, frequently asked questions, because some of them are pretty tough. Some of them hit right in the heart. Some of them are very practical. Um, but but I want to just offer this before we get into it is this is a time, particularly because so many of you are now at home, like in, in a way that you've never been at home before. Yeah. Um, this is a time in which we can't lose sight of our faith. And, and in a sense, the, the desert that we enter into in Lent that we began with Ash Wednesday, uh, we're really being called deeper into that desert, and uh, and, the, and that's a great blessing. Uh, it, it gives us an opportunity to be even more detached from things of this passing world and to be focused on the things of God and, and our faith and, and in our families uh, to continue to live within the midst of that faith uh, as we approach with grateful, uh, grateful hope that we all can go to Easter Mass, but if we're not able to, that we still enjoy that, that resurrection joy, that we can come about to sing the Alleluia once again uh, with great fervor. So uh, I, ho- I hope that we can help people kind of understand that this is uh, a great season of yeah. penance, but it's also a great season of discovering our faith ever more deeply. So um, the first kind of question that's just, it's a, it's a big one. It, it could be a whole episode. Maybe we'll cover it later on some other time. But just in, in the midst of this, uh, a question I've heard frequently is, you know, Father, why is God allowing this to happen? Why why is this pandemic permitted? And, and you know, there, there's a there's a ton of questions that are like that. But I think what it kind of kind of boils down to is wh- why is something so bad happening? And it seems like God's doing nothing about it. So I'm just curious what you guys, how you would respond to that question, what your thoughts have been as you've kind of dealt with that on your own. Well, I think, I mean, this is the question of theodicy, right, the, the, the problem of evil. You can ask why is God allowing this to happen of, of anything that ever happens that is, that is evil. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, there have been so many terribly horrendous evil things happening uh, throughout the history of the world that, you know, that's, this is a big question, right? This is one of the, the fundamental things you have to deal with when you're a person of faith. Um, and it, it boils down to a, a, a few key things, and uh, first among those is, is I think, human freedom and free will, um, that if creation were to be uh, without any error, without any possibility for evil, it would mean that we don't have freedom. Now, this is that, that answer helps more to think about the question of evil when we're dealing with moral evil, mm-hmm. so people doing bad things. Personal uh, evil. When when bad things are happening, natural disasters or the you know this virus or something, then it's a little bit a little bit more difficult, I think, to understand. And I don't really think that there's any way to perfectly answer the question so that it'll all make sense. Sure, you know, this is sort of the mystery of iniquity, the mystery of uh, the, the the world that we live in that we won't really see how all of this works out right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's there's been great evils throughout history out of which have come 
good things that you couldn't have otherwise predicted and that you know, sort of don't make any sense. And and the chief amongst those is is the, the death of Christ on the cross, which is a terrible is that's the worst evil you could have. We killed ever. God, deicide. Right. Uh, and what was the fruit of that was our redemption. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that's not going to help people, I don't think, feel a whole lot better about what, oh, mm-hmm. well, it's just one of those things that happens. Uh, but it's, I think, something, there's 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 something to me mysterious about or mystical about this happening during Lent. If it happened in another part of the year, it would be, I think, more difficult for, for me to try and get my mind around. Um, but mm-hmm. during Lent, uh, it's that time when we're supposed to be thinking about these sorts of things. There's the Exodus experience uh, that the church sort of goes through liturgically mm-hmm. um, fits with this sort of a question. Unfortunately, now we're not just thinking of it theoretically, but it's something right. we're really experiencing. And we, you know, you saw in the last Sunday, well, the last Sunday at the time that we're recording this, the gospel or the first reading was from Exodus. And the Israelites asked, is God with us? Mm-hmm. You know, that's sort of at the end of the question, is, is God even with us or not? And it's it's easy to, to ask that question now. Of course, the answer is yes, but it, it may be uh, it's a little bit more difficult to see how. Uh, sure. And I, I think that part of the important thing to remember is that there there is mystery in so much of our lives, and we, mm-hmm. don't, we don't usually get to know the answers in, in a satisfactory way right now. It, we may we may only understand this in the Perusia. I mean, I don't right, know. Right, right. It's it's tough. There's a long way of saying I don't know. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. Well, one thing uh, one thing I want to add to is when we ask why, I do think we're trying to draw out an understanding that may not be ours to have at this moment. Mm. That there is this sense of mystery. And I just encourage people during this time, because the why question is really out of our control. So why is it happening? A question that we don't really have an answer to. I think an appropriate question would be, how will I allow God to work in me through this? And uh, I was reading Romans, and in chapter 8, verse 28, it says, We know that that in everything God works for good with those who love him. Who are called according to his purpose and to know that whatever we're going through whether it's joy or suffering um, the good comfortable times the times that are challenging that god is there and he is constantly drawing us deeper into his heart mm. and this can be a powerful time to unite our challenges and our sufferings with that of christ and when we do that we just come to know his heart a little better mm-hmm. One of the things that I was thinking the the first time that we heard that masses were suspended uh, and trying to process like what that means, my first thought was, at least for, for me and our culture, I think this may be the closest that we will get to really knowing maybe what the first disciples felt like mm. in the time that Jesus died. And that just hit me, like all of the confusion or the worry or the fear that it, is accompanying some people, we're getting a, just a small window into that moment, what it would have been like when yeah. Jesus actually died and his presence left the world and there was that time of uncertainty. But knowing that, now we can look at it and say, but God didn't rise, right? The mm-hmm. resurrection did happen. But in those moments, I just think it gives us a time to reflect mm-hmm. yeah. on our history in the, in the early 
the early disciples, the first disciples, and what that would have been like. And I do think that has an incredible power to really show us God's goodness, but it does require trust, which is... A tough thing to do. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and it makes me think of, you know, there's a lot of people in the world who don't get the Eucharist on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. I mean, we just had a whole Amazon Synod, and that was one of the key topics discussed was, you know, people who go frequently without the sacraments. And so uh, it was very heartwarming to see the the outpouring of people kind of related to that question of suspending masses of people saying, but I... I, I don't know that I can live without our Lord, and we can't. That's that's kind of the beauty of it. We we know that uh, that you know the sun may not rise. Saint Padre Pio said, uh, if the sun didn't rise, it's, it would be no be no worse. Uh, I'm sorry, I messed that up. But <laughs> a day without sunrise is going to pass. But a day without the mass is the end of the world. To think that you know that's the power of God's presence amongst us in the Eucharist is that. The world and all of it is sustained by that little white host uh, that, that our Lord comes to us. But to get back into that question just real quick on the question of something bad happening in the world, how does God permit this? Well, Luke, you kind of touched on the, the free will aspect, like if we sure. were, if all of nature was just doing exactly what uh, exactly what God desired us to do, there'd be no freedom. And even within creation, we're not the only creatures that that can do things. You know, trees and rocks and rivers and every birds in the air, all these things. The, the question of them having free will, totally different question. What they're doing with that, how they're glorifying God. But understanding that all of creation, every bit of the cosmos, from the galaxies that we can't see to the most microscopic uh, piece of DNA that we can look at under under a microscope, all of that is known by God, and this is known by God. Um, sure. This this pandemic uh, is known by God, and and our Lord will bring out, as Mickey you alluded to, will bring great good out of this. We've seen this kind of in a practical way: the ingenuity of doctors and and scientists throughout the world working to to find a vaccine, to find a cure, to work, to cooperate together across borders, across, you know, maybe past animosities to help heal the world. And that's a great thing that's, yeah. that's happening in the world. Um, but understanding, too, that natural evil is part of the fallen world. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, that when we, we talk about, we see this in Scripture, there are new heavens and a new earth. That's a new earth that is not fallen. You know, that is yeah. perfectly singing the praises of God and perfectly ordered without any effects of sin, without any effects of mankind's rebellion and nature's rebellion to a, to a degree against against our Lord. So we'll see. I, I, obviously, we hope in the Perusia they answered all these questions, but to, right. to give some sense of knowing that, yes, God actually is in control of all of this. God knew that his son would die. Yeah. And that's, as you said, a much greater evil and a much worse terror than anything in the world. And he permitted it out of love for us and to redeem us. So we got to keep that always in mind. Um, you kind of got started moving towards this question of trust, like how can I trust in God in these difficult times, Mickey? And uh, some are having a sense of despair, the toilet paper ransacking, all these things. These are just kind of, I think, hysterical moments that hopefully we'll learn, okay, maybe next time we don't do that. Uh, but but really, in, in a lot of people's hearts, there there is a sense of unknowingness. And uh, it, it, people who are losing jobs, people who are losing money, there, there's a lot of, <coughs> of, of practical real-world things we got to deal with. And 
So how would you suggest people that they start to work to overcome some of those anxieties and fears? Right. I think probably right now um, the word that keeps coming to me is overwhelmed. Over People can be overwhelmed by fear of their finances, by fear of what they're going to do now that their kids are out of school, fear of making sure every child stays educated, fear of how long will this last, just all of the effects that could happen from it, just an overwhelming sense of not knowing. And that it can be easy at times to fall into despair, but I think constantly bringing it back to Christ has risen. He is still here. He is in every tabernacle. He is in his word. Um, his grace still flows mm-hmm. through um, the other sacraments that are being offered. I mean, I know you're still hearing confessions. There's still um, priests anointing those who are sick. The work of the church has not halted. And no. Christ is risen and is still here. And one of the things that I did a presentation on this years ago, and it's a beautiful writing from Pope Benedict the Sixteenth, Space Salve. It's uh, Saved by Hope. It's beautiful if you can get your hands on it. Um, look it up online. One of the things that he says is basically to keep our eternity in mind. Mm-hmm. Our hope, our hope, does not reside in in this temporary worldly moment. That our hope, our redemption, is offered in eternity, in in Jesus Christ, in eternity with him. So this is a quote he said, Redemption is offered to us in the sense that we have been given hope, trustworthy hope, by virtue of which we can face our present. The The present, even if it is arduous, can be lived and accepted if it leads toward a goal. If we can be sure of this goal, and if this goal is great enough to justify the effort of the journey. We as Christians know that that ultimate goal is heaven. Hmm. So it's easy to get caught up in the here and now because there are things that we have to attend to in the here and now, and those schedules or those routines have been, for, for most, drastically interrupted and changed. But I encourage people to think about this with eternity in mind because that is where our true hope lies. And if we know that, if we are convinced of the truth that God is still with us, then we know, then we can have joy and hope in that. Mm-hmm. And I, again, there's not a quick fix to having people have hope. It's just that trusting, trusting in God. It is placing our trust in the promise of Christ that he is always with us that he will never abandon us, that his grace still freely flows. So making ourselves available to that and not allowing ourselves to just be overcome with these feelings of fear and anxiety uh, and all the emotions that come with what's going on. And that can be really hard to do, and I I talk about it as a battle. Mm -hmm. It's a constant fight of, like, I'm not going to let this enter into... You can experience the fear, but then there's action that needs to take place. And mm-hmm. sometimes that's trusting in God. Sometimes that's taking care of the present situation at hand that you have to attend to. Um, so that's one of the things I would say. Yeah, and I, I'm ju- just before I jump over to you, Luke, one of the practical things that's very helpful to do in these times, do the things you need to do. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and when you get overwhelmed, it tends to be you just don't do anything. You kind of sit in this frantic phase of, oh, I've got so much to do. What am I going to do? How am I going to do that? You forget that, okay, I still need to wake up and say my daily prayers. I still need to make breakfast for my kids. I still need to take a shower. I still need to read. I still need to, you know, if I'm working from home, I, I've got, you know, a certain amount of time I'm going to be putting in every day. Like, do the things you're called to do here and now well, that virtue of mm-hmm. excellence uh, that St. Jose Maria Escrivá was so insistent on, is that as Christians we live in the world, um, but we're called to sanctify the world. And that's still something that's going on. You know, God is not bound by his sacraments, right? This is a theological dictum that's true. Um, He works efficaciously through his sacraments. We know that. That's why we all want the Eucharist. That's why we all want to go to confession and receive these graces. But we also know God is not bound by sacraments so that his graces can flow. And they will transform you if you're doing the things you're called to do. But if you fall into this trap of of kind of self-pity or you fall in this trap of (coughs) franticness, you end up not even doing the basic things you're supposed to do. And when you're not doing those, it's just going to compound and compound and compound. So really calling people to, okay, recognize your state in life hasn't changed. None of yeah. you became priests overnight. None of you became <laughs> nuns overnight. I didn't get married overnight. Like, I've still got to, these are the things that I'm called to do in my life today. Mm-hmm. And that kind of helps us to continue to overcome that desperation that settles in at a natural level. So, I think a little bit about Teresa Vlasiu, um, the way that she handled realizing at a young age that, you know, she couldn't really do anything great mm. uh, because we, none of us can really do anything that's going to solve this this problem right now. Mostly we just have to wait. We have to take the prudential steps we can take and wait for hopefully things to get back to normal sooner rather than later. She realized this, that what she could do rather than one tremendous thing, was to do everything in her day-to-day life with with great love, all these small sacrifices, these small moments. And there's a story in, or, or, or a little vignette in the story of a soul where Therese describes realizing that what she wanted most was not to be something great and important or some some tremendous saint even though she's a doctor of the church, it's really funny. <laughs> she didn't want to be important and have God give her some really important mission to fulfill. She wanted to be able to trust God enough with her entire being so much that, so that, that she could say to God, do whatever you want with me, whether that is for me to just be sitting here like a, like a toy on the floor mm-hmm. or you want to pick me up and, and bounce me a few times and like forget about me, or... If you want to hold me tenderly and like pay attention to me and shower me with graces, like whatever it is, I want to be able to trust God so much that I let Him do that. Uh, and then what? What you know? What a powerful lesson for someone who really was tremendously important, right? right. Uh, is to say I'm nothing. Um, and, and so I think that this is this experience that we're in right now is is a good way of sort of reminding us of and it's it's not a good lesson. It's not a feel good lesson, but an important lesson to remember that, that well you know, we're really not that big of a deal. Like personally, uh, individually, there's there's this element of trusting God is really challenging all the time. Right. Uh, we, we can sort of um, 
fool ourselves into thinking that we trust God so much when everything in our life is going well and according to plan, and we can we can manipulate the world around us in a way that makes our lives comfortable. When something like this happens and we don't have all of those things kind of go away, then it sort of reveals a, a, an important spiritual truth that, you know, you know what. Uh, we don't really have that much control over things, right. and so there's so that the one of the things about trusting God, you know, people want to trust God a lot, is is that it is not an easy thing to do, mm-hmm. and in situations like this, it can reveal just how just how challenging, how difficult it is. Um, so f- you know, I think that's that's part of it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, trusting in God is an act of the will and the intellect, uh, mm-hmm. and and. We they are there's a humanness to trust that we can pray for that grace Lord help me to trust you more pray say the words Jesus I trust in you meditate on the depth of that with that in depth but there's also just acts of the will and the intellect to help us trust in our Lord and and to recommend those you know to make an act of faith hope and love every day is a great way of continuing to transform your will um, and your intellect towards the things of God and uh, there's a, a a great need for us to be people of hope uh, in times of need. Uh, I think one of the beautiful things about the first century Christians was their love for life, you know, mm-hmm. that the pagans, when they abandoned their children, that the Christians were the ones who would take these abandoned children. And, and, and Christians were poor, generally. They were subject to a lot of hate socially, and yet they're taking on a whole other human being. You, y'all are both parents. You know what it's like to take mm-hmm. on the, the responsibility of caring for life. Um, that's that's comes from that profound hope that, yeah, we have an eschatological vision. We have a vision of heaven. That's what we're going towards while we're here on earth. We want to live as best we can, but not losing sight of the fact that God can and does everything he's promised that he will do. So, um Thinking about kids, uh, I don't have any. I have thousands of spiritual children whom I love dearly. Uh, but I'm not having to talk to a four-year-old right now about this. Um, so I'm curious what you as parents are saying. You know, how, how are you talking about what's going on in the world right now to your, to your kids? Very simply, I know that I have gotten to a point where I was overwhelmed and just what's going on and confused. What I don't want to do is pass that on to my children. Mm, yeah. I have many more years of experience, hopefully some more wisdom, you know, than my four-year-old. But if I'm having a hard time sort of processing everything, our children are having a hard time. They may not be able to communicate that as well as we might be able to. So just keep <coughs> your explanations simple. Yeah. Uh, they don't need to know everything. We don't have to share everything with our kids, especially if it's something that's going to cause worry or mm-hmm. fear in them. So I think protecting them from things that they really don't need to know, their security is in the home. Mm-hmm. Uh, how mom and dad are doing, how our home is functioning. If that is in order and simple and peaceful, our kids will fare just fine. But if we allow the chaos of what's going on to enter our home, our kids will be affected by that. So I just say keep it simple. Um, even if you're not together, act like you're together in front of your kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so something that I've just been telling my kids is that, you know, there's this virus going around um, and it can spread quickly. So we're just slowing down, taking a step back to keep people safe and healthy. So I don't tell them we're not going to mass. I'm not trying to tell them we're not going to see our friends. I just say soon we'll go back to mass as a community. Mm-hmm. Soon you'll get to see your friends we're doing school right now from home. Soon you'll get to go back. 
or later you'll get to go back. But just instead of having like an abrupt, like a finality to their sure. life, saying these things will continue because we have faith that they will continue. Right. At some point, yeah. the time frame is unclear, but just keeping it, keeping it positive and say everything that we're doing is to keep people safe and healthy. Yeah. And in the meantime, we'll do school at home. We'll do yeah. our prayer at home. We'll live stream masses, uh, whatever it takes, but just keeping it simple and positive. Yeah. What about you? Yeah. Well, I feel the same way that the, you have to be simple and you can't overwhelm them with information, yeah. even though they may incessantly request more and more information right. about what's going on <laughs> and why. And I have a very curious uh, eight-year-old who, who knows there's something more going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the same time, for us personally, we already homeschooled and we already barely went anywhere most of the time. We just <laughs> moved. We haven't really, we don't know a lot of people here sure. yet, you know? And so in that way, you know, for my, my younger children, there's not a whole lot different for them except that, you know, when we do go somewhere, if, if we to the grocery store or whatever, you know, we're just like making them wash their hands a lot more. And, right. Um, the, I, but I think that just keeping up as much as you can the daily routines that that are inside the house, keeping those things in place, just, you know, is a, is a really important thing to do because it makes it feel like for them everything is normal. Right. And let them have fun if you can. Uh, I don't. I really almost regret owning a, uh, a an inflatable water slide uh, for our kids, but they were just begging me to put set it up yesterday. It's like, all right, well, we are in the middle of a terrible viral outbreak, so I guess I'll uh, I'll, I'll appease your your desire to right. you know get wet in the backyard and make a muddy mess for later. So those kind of things I think are important to to, to be willing to be flexible with them and generous in ways that you can, that you might not ordinarily do, can kind of help with some of that suspicion that they might have, Mm -hmm. that even though you're saying things are normal or you're, you're giving them a very little information, like it'll, it'll appease their desire for more information. If you can just sort of just have fun with the kids. Yeah. 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 And don't. Which gets harder sometimes if you're not used to being around them all the time and then (laughs) you are, that can be challenging. Right. Both of y'all kind of alluded to this, but one of the biggest things, and again, I've got nine nephews and nieces. I've got two grand nephews. I've I've been around kids a lot. Don't get out of your routines. That's, Mm -hmm. I was reading a number of articles yesterday from psychologists and uh, teachers, you know, just people with a lot more wisdom than I have about these things. And they, they said the biggest thing that you need to continue to hammer home is a routine. So even if your kids are not going to school, if they're not, if they were getting up at seven, still get them up at seven, have them eat breakfast. You know, maybe they don't start class until nine thirty or 10 or something, but you've, you've got to keep as much routine in the lives of our children as we can, uh, because that normalcy is going to give them peace. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to free their imaginations from, terror it's going to free their imaginations from speculation useless speculation about things that they again we have no control over anyways but uh and if i can make one solid recommendation because i i really do think this is important there's no need to talk about how many people are dying there really isn't Mm -hmm. you said simply people are getting very sick from this we're trying to help prevent other people from getting sick so we're not spending a lot of time going around and talking you know visiting people right now that's what we need to do um 
the tragedy is that yes, people are going to die from this. They are dying, and and we we pray for them, and, and that's something you can bring into your prayer. Maybe is that we pray for all those who are suffering and who are dying from this disease. But um, you know, it's sickening that games have death counters on them, like first-person shooters have you know a kill count or whatever. Um, we don't need to have the kill count of yeah. coronavirus blaring on our TV or on our radios. Yeah. The kids, you know, they just don't. That's not something that they're beautiful little minds need to be trying to process in the midst of all this so uh, can I add one more thing sure. to that yeah. I recommend not having the news on mm. when the kids are around I mean there's so much adult content just in terms of right the information and that can be overwhelming for especially our young ones so if you feel the need to update yourself wait until they're occupied and sneak it on your phone sneak it maybe. on your phone read an article but I would not have the radio playing that has news on it uh, or the TV. Right. So. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Well, we're going to switch gears a little bit now and kind of work into a, a little bit of the the faith aspects of this. Um, it, it, to a practical degree, I think it's important for people to remember it is still Lent. Uh, you know, uh, as somebody said, I didn't really expect Lent to be this hard. I'm like, well, then you probably weren't doing Lent that hard anyways. I mean, Lent's supposed to be a time of self-renunciation, right? Um, but, yeah, we're not called to give up our Lenten disciplines, period. Yeah. Um, but it's probably actually provided, I would imagine, in each of your lives, new things that you're like, okay, I— I can offer this up because I am having to renunciate some part of my my fleshy desires or I'm having to renunciate some part of my intellect and will that is not necessarily even a bad thing, but I'm having to say no to those things at this time. Uh, so just how are you guys kind of doing in that sense of keeping up your Lenten disciplines uh, and, and how have you seen this as an opportunity to grow deeper? I feel like it's it's a good uh, opportunity to, to make our Lent more meaningful when just everything gets thrown at us and, and there's all this confusion is to, to find the, the things that we had either already decided we were going to do anyways because we know we need them mm-hmm. or to re, reconfigure, re, recalibrate like maybe this is an opportunity for me to take this time more seriously, you know. So I know for, for me personally it's been good uh, to, to reflect just on just on human weakness and on and, and on our the smallness of mm-hmm. you know what it is to be a person is that there's so many things that are beyond our control let's focus on the couple of things that we can you know so saying saying our prayers trying to read the scriptures um you know not being able to go to mass this this sunday is going to be very very bizarre for me what a, a big uh, something that I've not ever had to do unless I was sick or a kid was sick or something. But to just everybody at my house is healthy. Mm-hmm. For us to just not go, that's going to be weird. Um, so that that aspect of it, I think, is going to take the most adjusting. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's going to is something that everyone will need to think about in terms of how to maintain a Lenten sort of journey when we're right. not able to do the main thing you would do to keep that Lenten journey going, right. namely 10 Mass on the Sabbath day. So, um, But but in terms of personal uh, Lenten sacrifices, I think it's just it, it at this situation has added just more motivation mm-hmm. for me to do the things that I said I was going to do and hopefully do them with, with an, a more serious commitment of my heart and my will. And not and to do it more joyfully and and more readily to be more supple to mm-hmm. to, to to God's uh, plan in my life rather than like I guess I better 
pray the chaplet before right. we go to bed. Um, you know, and that small change is the big thing, as you know, to to, to get exactly. over right, change exactly. our intention. So, yeah, I think there's a, a great joy in uh, knowing that this is an opportunity for us to really be detached from the things of the world. Um, mm-hmm. Seeing that this is settling in, it's it's likely to last for a little while longer. We don't know how long, but just how much we take um, for granted God uh, and and just kind of, oh, the church is always there. I'm always going to have yeah. Jesus in the Eucharist. I'm always going to be able to... It's like, no, I mean, I... What does the Eucharist really, what does the Mass really mean to me? Um, and why am I so mad that I can't get, that I can't go to my favorite restaurant? Well, you can still go to your restaurant and just get pickup. Um, you know, they still, they're, uh, most restaurants, as far as I know, really aren't closing. They're just doing pickup and deliveries. And um, But that, that chance to go deeper, I think, is, is really important to stress with people that this is a, a great opportunity, a great, a, great, a great moment in our lives in which, you know, maybe 30 years from now you'll remember and you'll be telling your grandkids about, like, yeah, the, the coronavirus 2020, I had the best Lent of my life, you know, mm-hmm. in, in a sense. Uh, so just not turning away from what Lent's calling us to, but kind of diving deeper into it. But there are some... Bad habits that can sneak in in isolation, uh, quarantine, whatever we're going to call it. Um, and Mickey, you brought this up because I, I, I think you and I were just kind of chattering back and forth about it. But yeah, I mean, but for some people, it's really hard to not be around other people and mm-hmm. to not be around the the discipline and structure of life. Yeah. So now I got to fine tune a lot of bad habits, but some of the bad habits that creep in that you know that we all have to deal with. What were you thinking of? Oh, man. Well, I was just thinking I work best when I'm told what to do. When I have mm-hmm. sort of a schedule that's imposed by somebody else. Now in the home with my husband at work and me with the kids, having to create that that for myself and for my children has been a challenge. And for me, probably one of the biggest distractions, and it's been hard. I'm an extrovert, and I mm-hmm. like to be around people, and it does affect me when I can't, but I don't really notice that until I start getting frustrated over things I normally don't get frustrated over Mm. and just um, like sandpaper to the soul, like everything kind of feels that way. And I've gotten caught up in what I think my need to know Mm. what's going on. And so I'd be like, well, let me just check the latest news. And I think it's so easy sometimes like grasping, for me, it's like grasping at that control. I want to try to grasp at something that I can mm-hmm. control. And sometimes it's easier to keep ourselves busy with those things, which is really a form of escaping from the present reality. Right. And mm. we can fall into a lot of bad habits when we do that. Constantly scrolling through social media, watching a lot more TV than what we should, right. <laughs> playing video games, or just falling into... I'm overwhelmed. I don't know what to do. And sometimes that paralysis of acting Mm -hmm. uh, is detrimental to yourself and to the life of your kids at this time. And so those are the things that I have found uh, when we choose to escape using those things. um, Then we become focused more on the worldly things to appease this discomfort instead of okay, Lord, I'm going to be intentional during this Lent and during this time to just renounce my need to know, 
to renounce my boredom and trying to fill it with things that I think will erase my discomfort (laughs) instead of having to just sit in it and be like, this is hard and it kind of stinks and people are struggling and that's sad. And sometimes that's not, we're not a people who like to suffer. Nope. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So anything that we can do to not do that, um, sometimes we try to do, which isn't always good, right? We can't escape it. We're like, invite God into that. But again, it does take a lot of effort. It takes a lot of effort to not fall into those sort of escape things uh, and then just draw nearer to the heart of Christ. Yeah, I think Father Father Mike Schmitz made a great point. He did a little 10-minute video uh, with Ascension Presents the other day on COVID-19, and uh, he said, we all have a great new sphere of interest, but we really all have a very small sphere of influence. And I thought that was really profound. It's like, yeah. I think all of a sudden I might be an epidemiologist because I've been reading so many scientific articles. No, I'm not. I I can assess and read and try to make some kind of synthesis and have some sense of uh, intellectual certitude. But the next day something totally throws all that off. And so instead of worrying and kind of, like you said, getting that anxiety built up that throws everything else off, our relationship with our kids, our husbands, our our wives, uh, my bishop, my pastor, the the people I I see every day – Remember my sphere of influence is mm-hmm. most profound in my prayer. Yes. Um, and that silence that you're kind of getting towards is like, yeah, we've got to enter into the mystery and the discomfort of silence in this time. And like, mm. even in your homes, I, I th- as good as it is, uh, there's so much great educational TV out there. And I, and I do sincerely mean that. I mean, the documentaries that kids can watch, like I'm a ocean fanatic. I'm literally wearing a Christmas t-shirt that's made of sharks. <laughs> It's made of sharks because I love Shark Week so much. But all right, I can maybe watch an extra episode of Shark Week that I didn't get to watch last year, but I don't need to spend my whole day in this kind of boredom, in this state mm-hmm. of just apathy towards the things of God or state of apathy towards the well-being of the people around me. Because what can then happen is, yeah, that boredom or, or that anxiety about worries uh, of, of what we don't know turns into our behaviors around those around us. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it can be very destructive. Yeah, and I just want to add one more thing. I think sometimes in times like this, we look at how we need to handle life in tasks lists. Mm-hmm. Like, my kids have to do this, I have to do this. And so, but what that does is it draws us out of relationship. And when that happens, it does affect us because we're made for a relationship with God, with others. But when we minimalize it to tasks, we don't function well. Mm-hmm. And that shows in how we respond, how we react. And just to be aware that if we're feeling angry or sad or fearful, that it is really important to give that to God and ask God to work in that. Because we need to maintain that relationship with God, the relationship with those around us. But if it just boils down to task lists, then that relationship aspect is lost and that's not good because then we're not fulfilling really what we're called to do, which is relational. Yeah. And so that's really important to keep that focus uh, with the people who are closest right to you. Mm-hmm. And that kind of moves into the next thing I wanted to just go through and talk a little bit about some practical things that you guys have seen. Um, but <clears throat> people are asking, what can I do to help others? You know, and, and as a priest, I could tell you, everybody and their brother all of a sudden, father, 
I need to go to confession, which is great. In, in the Diocese of Tyler, at least, our churches are still yeah. open for prayer. Our churches are still open for confession. Most places, most of us are hearing confessions and uh, a, a different situation, maybe not in our confessional box anymore, but in our office or in a classroom in some space where we can have proper social distancing. But, um, you know, certainly I, I've got plenty to do. Um, but people want to help other people, and that is such a beautiful thing to see in this time. We've seen that happening. Stores opening their hours early for senior citizens only. Um, just the, the outpouring of, of generosity towards those who are in, in need, like real need, food, uh, shelter, all these kinds of things. But there's also a lot of things we can do at home probably that would be really helpful to help our neighbor, to help our spouse, to help our kids. But I, I'm just curious, to, asking you guys in your neighborhoods and your situations, what are some ideas that you had to help others uh, in this time of crisis? My husband and I talked about it. Uh, first, I just want to preface this with take care of the people who are closest to you, especially mm-hmm. if you're a parent. Your kids um, come first. Your spouse and your kids come first. They're the ones in your home. Outside of that, uh, my husband and I talked about reaching out and finding if there is someone who we know who is currently not working because mm-hmm. their business shut down and either buying their groceries or offering some assistance. If there's an elderly couple, I've heard of so many elderly people who are fearful to go out to the store because they're like, I'm susceptible to and very vulnerable. So just saying, hey, can I go buy some groceries for you and just like leave it at their door. Right. And just being more aware, it can get so, it can be so easy to just focus on your own change of life that has happened me 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 yeah so just brought in is there someone else i know there's a um we haven't been really going and playing with other kids but one of the kids across um right next door to us our kids have just thrown the ball back and forth from the fence (laughs) you know because they need to have that yeah community building and so that's a little thing it gives my kids that sense of community this other kid who's a an only child that friendship building which is really important so just just learning to not be tunnel like focused and to just look around right and just ask god god show me and if you don't know who that is say god show me who it is that needs help maybe you can call your church and ask the pastor is there anyone who needs help what could i do to assist my brothers and sisters at this time right I think if you have the opportunity to to cook a meal for someone or, you know, help out like in some sort of practical way like that, you know, that's a really good thing to do. But even just being someone to talk to, Mm -hmm. uh, checking on people that you might know who don't have a lot of people with them or who live alone uh, and are already isolated normally. Right. And now it's been ratcheted up another level. the other thing, uh, you know, my, I think my kids came up with this idea yesterday. I know they did it. I, it sounds like it was their idea, but maybe it was my wife's idea. I don't know. <laughs> they made a library because the library here shut down. Mm-hmm. So uh, my wife took pictures of, of all the children's books that we had um, in our, you know, our small library at our house and shared it with, you know, a group of moms. And, and so a couple of people said they want, there was two or three books they would like to borrow for their kids this week. And so my, my girls made a sign for the Arredondo Library, put it on the door, <laughs> and they made a bo- they took a box and wrote pickup box on it, and they spelled it P-I-K-U-P, <laughs> pickup box, uh, and put the, the books in the box and put them outside so that they didn't have to come in and interact with us, but they could come, you know, pick right. up some books. And, I mean, that's a really small thing, but so cool. but it's something. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's 
you, we were telling that story. I was like, gosh, yeah, that, that sounds so <laughs> creative. Sounds like a girl thing. I, I was always like, we got rocks. You can come borrow some rocks from our yard if you want to. And sports equipment. But really don't take the sports equipment because we need to fight. Um, but, yeah, we, we do need to look out, especially, you know, my parents are certainly – healthy thanks be to god but they're both uh, over you know the age and health uh, dispositions talking to your parents um the nursing homes all, all pretty much all over the country overwhelmingly are shut off to visitors mm-hmm. so if you have a, a grandparent or a great aunt that you haven't that you may have visited once a year this would be a great time to give her a call and just say hey we're praying for you. How you doing? How you feeling? Um, just checking in. Those kinds of things can be really helpful. And then food pantries, I think, is one of the big things that I've I've heard kind of locally is just you know making sure uh, when you go buy your twelve thousand rolls of toilet paper, you also <laughs> buy some canned goods and some things that you can drop off at the food pantry because there are people who are whose economic lives are really being affected by yeah. this. So. Um, some good good advice, and please, if you want to send us some of those recommendations, uh, hit us up on our social media um, so that we can share those with other people throughout the country. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about, and probably the most important thing, is there's no public masses in the United States of America this, this weekend. Every bishop in the U.S. has uh, suspended the celebration of public masses. Uh, caveat there, just so everybody really understands this, every priest is still celebrating Mass. I'm celebrating two a day, minimally. Our bishop gave us permission to celebrate two a day, uh, one for whatever the intention of the parish was already, and then one for our, our parishioners in general and for health, safety, and the end of this mm. uh, virus. So we're saying at least two Masses every day. We're praying the liturgy, the hours. We're still do- So in a lot of ways, our prayer life is becoming more priestly in that sense of oftentimes people don't realize how much we do pray for the people anyways, but now we get to do it even more because we have less meetings, thank God. Uh, <laughs> more emails. Right, huh? more emails, certainly more phone calls. But um, but you guys aren't going to get to go. Right. And, uh, no. you know, it breaks my heart because I know all your kids, and I just it, I can tell you as a priest it's been the hardest thing I've had to deal with in eight years of priesthood mm-hmm. is the fact that this Sunday – I won't get to, you know, hug the little five-year-old kid that runs up and punches me on the leg, and, <laughs> you know, to see the sweet 75-year-old couple and those kinds of things. It's going to be tough yeah. for us. But for you guys, it's a lot tougher. Um, so we want to talk about some kind of this is the real big end of the chariot moment of what right. are we going to do? How are we going to keep Sunday? How are we going to keep the Sabbath holy? So I want to hear what you guys are thinking. I don't think your Sunday should change much. You should still have, I mean, you're not going to be able to participate in a public mass, but there, with technology, you can live stream a mass, uh, read the readings from mass, which you can find online. Mm-hmm. If you normally always go to mass at 10, I say keep that schedule. Tell your kids, we're going to set up our little prayer space. Mm-hmm. You can even set out some chairs. Uh, if you want to imitate the liturgy of the word, so have them stand while mm-hmm. the mom or dad reads the gospel or uh, sit for a little reflection, I would say as much as possible, imitate what you can Mm -hmm. and to make a spiritual communion. So they may not remember every little bit that you're teaching them at home, but what they will remember if there's been a big interruption in the practice of your home. Mm -hmm. So I would say in as much as possible, keep to that routine. Try to have your time on Sunday when you would normally go to Mass, mimic as closely as possible 
the worship. Mm -hmm. Because if that goes, what our kids hear is that in times of panic, it's not that that important. important. And that should be our main focus. It should be made very clear that, nope, we are still praying. We can still worship God even if we can't publicly right. go to Mass. And to, to say the priests are offering Mass, and we are going to join spiritually with the priest of our diocese, yeah. and this is what we're going to do. So I think it's key uh, to keep that for our spiritual well-being and the well-being of our kids. Right. I, I've been thinking that um, we tell our kids, or at least sometimes tell them, that you know when we go to Mass— we enter into the, like this cosmic liturgy. Mm-hmm. I don't maybe I don't tell them cosmic <laughs> liturgy, but that we're in the heavenly mass, right? That yeah. the angels and saints are there present with us. We don't see them, but they're but they're there. This is this is sort of a time when we're we are going to be kind of like the angels to to the parish, right? Mm-hmm. Priest is there celebrating mass at the normal time probably. At least some of the times it will there'll still be a mass going on. Um, and we can unite ourselves in prayer at the same time. I think too about this experience I had when I was um, when I was in college. I went to school in Florida, and my parents lived in Mississippi, and I was in Eastern Time, and they were in Central Time. And because of the way the times lined up, if I went to Mass uh, at my parish in Florida, it was I was I was in Mass at the same time as my parents, but they were they were far away right uh but i had this like deep sense that like i know what my parents are doing like i'm i'm still with them i know what my my family's doing and there's 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 something to that this this union of of the um of the whole church mystically yeah uh that we can really try and focus in on but you know i mean the the practical thing the, the 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 steps to get there i think mickey's very very much right Try and keep the same time schedule. Block out thirty minutes or, uh, to do some sort of sophisticated liturgy of the word at your house, mm-hmm. uh, or live stream a mass. Get dressed. Yeah. The good thing if you have kids, so you don't have to worry about the shoes this Sunday. <laughs> you just they right. can find their clothes, then don't worry about the shoes because we always get all the way to the shoes and then everything breaks down. So, um, <laughs> I think great. you know doing the readings, praying an act of spiritual communion. If you can't watch a mass, but I, I think it's it's worth doing to, to watch the Mass if you can, and so many of them are available. Um, and, you know, we've found ways at my house to try and really ratchet up, like, our, our domestic church experience um, you, during Holy Week. There's there's so many so much that can be done with just candles, right? You know, <laughs> praying in the evening, um, using even if it's during the daytime, lighting candles like you would around an altar, you know, for 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 mass. I mean, those kinds of things are are, are deeply meaningful for children. Singing, mm-hmm. uh, singing some of the psalms, uh, singing the creed, you know, whatever. Any of the parts of the mass that, right. you, that would be sung, you can sing through them, right? Um, and I think that that's that's going to be a way to show you know to show our children like this 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 matters so much like you I know we go every week and well now we can't go that doesn't mean we're going to do nothing though right it's, mm-hmm. it's not about just being there um, this is something that that matters even when we can't be there well it transcends time and space yeah that's that the heavenly liturgy the cosmic liturgy it is something that, that you know we step into eternity in yeah. that moment and yeah home altars like. Easy things set up, you know, clear space, uh, 
have a little crucifix, have two candles, have maybe even a little white uh, if you've got like a, a napkin or something, but just to give the, the kids as much of a visual as possible because we are all, all tactile creatures and we all need those kind yeah. of reminders. I don't know why anybody would ever buy an incense stick but people buy them, right? They, they, they like the smell, you know, just they, they enjoy the smell. But maybe light that, yeah, Sunday morning uh, at that time that you would normally be going to to Mass. Um, and I, I wanted to encourage, uh, because I, I think it's important for people to realize how much we, we think of you, you know, as priests. Um, I... I've never really thought so hard about this in, until these past few days, like how this the action of the priest is as a you know a pontifex, a bridge builder between God and man to offer sacrifice on behalf of and for the people of God. Um, and I celebrate Mass at Orientum all the time um, at our parish, and so you know our live mass, live stream mass, it looks the same as our Sunday mass and our daily masses for, for our people. But there's a moment in the mass; it's really cool, and, and it's a, it's a, it's something that I knew I'd celebrate the extraordinary form. And this is one of those few times where that that bridge builder sense is so real. So in our parish and in most churches, you'll have a crucifix with the altar affixed to it or the freestanding, but you're facing this crucifix. And when you're elevating the chalice, in the chalice, usually, you can see the people behind you. Mm. And it's a it's an extremely heartwarming moment in which literally you, you sense that, okay, we're all going in the same direction, and I am the one who, offering behalf of and for them, I'm uniting all their prayers with me right now, to you, our Heavenly Father, through your Son, Jesus Christ. And right now, I'm only going to see, in our diocese, our bishop's been kind enough to permit us a server, uh, so I'll have like an adult acolyte there. But all of you are there. The angels and the saints, all those faces of people that we see every time when we see it reflecting off of it. Don't worry. Y'all are in our hearts as heavy as you could imagine. Uh, So you're going to be there with us in Mass. But you made a point about uniting everything with the priest and 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 that's a huge thing for for us to emphasize practically is that at the domestic church level dads step up be the priest you're called to be of your home moms help steer the the priest being a good solid neck making sure that we're not falling into apathy or kind of losing sight of god's presence in the midst of all this because the world is so consuming because this pandemic is consuming the world we don't live for this world. We live for the world to come. Um, and so I hope that that can help kind of egg you all on. We're running low on time here. So just a last few things. We want to encourage all of you to check out our website, www.stphilipinstitute.org. Uh, we want to remind you to subscribe on YouTube. A big thing there is helpful is if we have more subscribers, I think if we get over 1,000 subscribers, we can live stream events. We want to live stream uh, Bishop Strickland's masses when he's doing them. We're doing that through Facebook already, but having multiple platforms mm-hmm. would be great. So the more people that subscribe to YouTube, the easier it is uh, is for us to do that. And that means grandma, who's not on Facebook, can still watch on YouTube because YouTube's totally free and doesn't require a membership platform. So please uh, uh, click on that and subscribe uh, to leave reviews on iTunes for the podcasts. Uh, we, we've got a lot of interesting opportunities before us in these coming weeks that we're mm-hmm. going to be trying to reach out to you and giving you more videos, more written content to help 
continue to live and teach the faith in your homes. Uh, and so please do all those things and, and obviously respect your government authorities, your ecclesiastical authorities in this time. Nobody's making these hard decisions easily. Nobody's smiling and saying, I can't wait to tell people no. Um, it's the yeah. worst thing you have to do as parents, right, is mm -hmm. tell your children no. And right now I can tell you that every bishop in the world, every government authority is having to say no to things that are good, to your jobs, to going to the park, to seeing your grandparents. These are not easy decisions. So let's pray for our leaders yeah. and ask uh, God's loving providence to continue to shower upon us and help us to be who we're called to be, to be faithful sons and daughters of our Lord. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much. God bless all of you, and continue to pray for your safety and our safety. The Lord be with you, and may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.